track one repeats. Can you hear me? Over. Welcome to the Track One Podcast. My name is Mark McManus. Joining me today once more is Denise Sutton. Today we'll be discussing The Pyramid at the End of the World by Peter Harness and Stephen Moffat. Uh, welcome back, Denise. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me back. No problem. Thank you. Really for enjoyed the last podcast and uh, looking forward to doing it again. Great. So last time we watched Thin Ice. Yes. Uh, which, which you both enjoyed. How have you enjoyed the episode since then? I've really liked them. Um, the difference in moods, the pure science fiction of Oxygen. I thought that was particularly good. And um, last week's episode, Extremists, yes, uh, I mean, goes through so many different moods and ideas and nice plots that are complicated but not too complicated, some good yeah. humour. Yeah, I really like the way this is going. Absolutely. I think it's been the consistently strongest series for me um, since it came back, definitely. Um, I think Extremis is my high point of the series so far. Uh, do you have a, a favourite at all? I'm not sure that I do. I think um, I liked Extremis very much, but I also did like Oxygen because of the, like I say, pure science fiction yeah. sometimes. That can really hit the spot for me. And particularly, it reminded me of one of my favourite movies of the last few years, which was Gravity. Yeah, I like Gravity. Of course. And um, that kind of tension and, yes, space is trying to kill you. It's uh, it's an idea that I really find very fascinating. I think, yes, Gravity, Interstellar, The Martian, over the last few years, um, you've had that sort of film where it's not, not so much science fiction, aliens or anything like that, but it is the the, the difficulties of uh, the space pure practicalities danger, of yeah. trying to exist in space and to explore the strange new worlds. Yeah, yes. um, it's a good uh, it's good to see that kind of genre coming back. I think uh, hopefully we'll see some more some more movies like that as well. Yes, yeah, they're definitely something that's worthy of further exploration because uh, human beings are still looking out to the stars. Yeah, that's it. And there's the um, there's a planned mission to Mars, isn't there? Yes. Um, get some, some yep. colonists out there. So it will be uh, be interesting to see what unfolds in real life as well the next few years. Uh, so after your last appearance on the podcast, I believe you got a, a proposal of marriage over Twitter. I as did. A... Yes, the following morning, I um, woke up, saw I had a DM, and yeah. this is what it said. Just listen to your podcast. I admire your knowledge of who and your ability to talk about it very much, and I think we should make immediate arrangements to get married. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? Yeah, very, very good. <laughs> yes. Uh, sadly, his wife wouldn't let him, uh, but it's always very yeah. nice to be asked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a nice, uh, nice reaction to get. I'm sure you get a few as well, Mark. I haven't had any yet. Strangely, yeah, I think um, I think it might be something that impresses men more than uh, more than women. <laughs> he's, 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 doc- <laughs> he's Doctor Who knowledge. Yeah. 
it's tended to be something could I've, be right. I've kept under wraps. Uh, usually for the, <laughs> the first six months or so of a new relationship, I tend not to uh, not to bring it up and then just introduce it gradually. Yeah. Um, oh, well, it's a bit, bit difficult to hide for me. Yeah. People <laughs> tend to notice quite quickly that I'm a little bit odd. Yeah. <laughs> was the, She's um, not quite as other girls. <laughs> The, the book of the the wife in space and if you, you know Neil Perriman, mm. um, the the there's a line in there I think where he says um, the the bit with Sue his wife has written so when they met and he said that he loved Doctor Who and she thought he meant in the same way that you'd say I'd love a cup of coffee um, but no he actually <laughs> meant he loves Doctor Who I think that's a that's a cool line. So um, today's episode, uh, Pyramid at the End of the World, follows on from Extremis last week. Um, I was just thinking, actually, when I was re-watching this week's episode before, it's a little bit like Mission to the Unknown Extremis um, in terms of setting up a bigger storyline um, without really involving the main characters. Uh, you yes. Have, uh, Mission to the Unknown as is to the, the Dalek Master Plan. Yes, and as you as you said in that podcast as well, it's um, it is possible to go into this story without really without having seen the previous one. Yeah, I think that's clever for sort of new viewers or casual viewers. Um, is is the idea that uh, because the, all the salient points are covered in the in the recap in the you know the previously mm. previously part. Um, so it's, uh, I think it won't be the same next week. It is more of a standard two-parter, isn't it? It's going to follow on directly, um, it seems like. But uh, I'm really enjoying the multi-part stories, what I really liked about Series 9. Um, and we're getting that again this series now. Um, the only downside being they have to wait a week for the next part, which is uh, frustrating. But yeah. Well, yes, but that's how it always used to be. I mean, imagine watching the war games now and... Yeah, it takes three months for yeah. the entire story to unfold. <laughs> yeah, other Dalek Master Plan. Unimaginable. Well, yeah. yeah, or uh, Trial of a Time Lord, I suppose, as well. Maybe not the same level of impatience with that one, I guess. But, uh... Quite possibly not. Yeah. <laughs> was it two episodes a week at that time, or was it just one? Oh, I'm not sure, actually. It was, it was before I watched it. I've only ever seen it on, uh, on VHS and then DVD. So... Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, because it, it was um, they did it midweek, didn't they? From from a certain point in the eighties. Yeah, from the start of Peter Davison, it lost its Saturday night slot, but I think yeah. it did regain it at some point. But uh, yeah. I haven't done my homework. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I know. I'm quite know. old now. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So uh, we will start watching the episode. Yes. Um, I've got it teed up on here, subtitles. So if anybody's watching along at home, we will press play in three, two, one. And we've got the Veritas. Uh, so I really like the way that they did this with the, um, the, the, the previously intercut with the now. Because um, you see that on so many shows that the previously part has just become a sort of standard thing, which... You maybe don't pay that much attention to if you're a regular viewer, um, but they've made it a lot more interesting by interspersing it with new material. I think it's uh, it's a really nice way of doing it. Yes, yes, it's uh, working very well. Uh, just lost it's... my subtitles from moment there. Okay. I now come back. <laughs> I think it's something that Stephen Moffat likes to do as well. It's kind of playing with the 
the sort of the grammar of television, isn't it? Um, you know, taking something like you know the previously part, weaving it into part of this week's story. Um, it's like I was thinking about the the silence in the library when um, it cuts from one scene to another, which as a viewer you're completely used to and don't think anything of it. But then you realise that Donna is experiencing it in the same way that we're watching it. So it'll go from being at the park with the kids to putting them to bed. And um, Yes. I, I, like I really like, like that. that story. Yeah. And it's also yeah. nice also because um, we've got um, Bill's date with Penny. Yeah. And you know, she's had the simu stimulated date and now she has the real one. That's it. It's a little bit um, like the... Um, you would she because she wouldn't presumably have asked Penny out had the doctor not prompted her to do so in the last episode. Mm. Um, it's a little bit like the and if you've read the Time Traveler's Wife, I have actually, yeah. and uh, liked that book very much. And uh, I like to, I mean, River Song obviously owes a debt to that book as well. Absolutely, uh, but that that idea in in the book the. Um, I was always interested in when the, I can't remember the character's names, but when the main guy visits his wife as a little girl and tells her that they're going to get married, then it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, that kind of just, you know, slightly reminded me of that in, um, because the doctor saw it in the simulation, tall Bill prompting her to ask Penny out. And then it, uh, a similar sort of situation unfolds here, doesn't it, with the Secretary General <laughs> the UN arriving yes. instead of the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, not the real yeah. Secretary General who I have actually yeah. met, but that's another story for another uh, time. But, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, it plays it because it's not the, the the real Secretary General, but the, the reference to uh, the President we get in the moment seems like it's referring mm. to Trump, doesn't it? Whereas last week, it was sort of clearly not Trump, who was the, yes. the dead President in the Oval Office. Mm, yes, I mean, there are probably lots of good and quite funny explanations for that yeah. one, why the uh, maybe the monks just rejected the idea of Trump as president as just <laughs> being a bit too far-fetched to yeah. put someone else in there instead. <laughs> they thought that, that was a long shot, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Termezistan, this country mm. here, um, is from the... Peter Harness's story in the last series, isn't it? The the Zygon invasion and the Zygon inversion, where the yes, Zygon yes. rebels had their their camp. It's quite a nice link to that, and the president of Earth as well being from the um, the Dark Water Death in Heaven. And Death in Heaven, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes, it's um, and it looks absolutely beautiful, and it was um. Canary Islands again? Ah, uh, right? right. I wasn't sure about that. I wondered about that, actually, yeah. Um, now that you say that, you can see it, yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, same kind of location as Kill the Moon. But, uh, yeah. Yes, it looks absolutely stunning. Yeah, and then the, uh, the pyramid uh, doesn't look out of place there either, in a way, does it? Kind of it landscape. doesn't. Um, it's... Uh, Looks like it grew there, but it only arrived overnight. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's not not picked up on that much in this one, but from the sort of next time trailer, it looks like that might be more relevant. Uh, 
Well, it's yeah. I mean, um, we'll come to it later when yeah. Bill is describing when um, the doctor asks her to pray the situation and uh, the description that she comes across that she comes up with for the pyramid is very interesting. Oh, right. oh I didn't notice that. So it will be interesting. Yeah. Uh, so the doctor is meditating. Yeah. And Erica is going to work. Yeah. This was um, this was nicely done, I thought. Yes. Mm. The, the, the Broken idea glasses. That, uh, yeah. She should keep them in a case, shouldn't she? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're properly wrecked, aren't they? That's, <laughs> mm. Definitely are. Yeah. So, oh, this is very nice. The doctor's playing away, and he doesn't even realise that he's not where he thinks. That, he is. Yeah, the TARDIS has been removed, and uh, it may, I couldn't quite think. There's a story where there's some kind of alarm or something when the TARDIS gets moved, isn't there? But I couldn't, I couldn't think that what it is. But presumably, it's been disabled by this point that he hasn't noticed uh, <laughs> a crane lifting it out. And, <laughs> it's so deep in his meditation that yeah. it, usually it jerks and wobbles a bit and things fall over yeah. when the TARDIS is moved by an external force, but yeah. not this like time. The helicopter at the start of Day of the Doctor mm. picks them up, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a knotty problem for it, isn't it? The, um, that everything's been modelled by the monks. So I guess the TARDIS may be a kind of seen as a sanctuary where they can't see what he's doing while he uh, tries to kind of puzzle it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what it made me think of was the, the sort of similarities with the monks and the Doctor in terms of, uh, especially with it kind of being a Peter Harness story, you know, the, in the Kill the Moon, um, you get the, the Doctor being able to see the different kind of timelines, you know, once the they've made the decision about the moon. He stands on the beach and he can see how things will then um, pan out. It's a similar sort of thing in the fires of Pompeii. Um, and the monks are doing a similar sort of thing here, aren't they? Um, and the way they said that the pyramid appeared out of thin air is a little bit like the TARDIS. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah it is. It is indeed. Or is it? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously... The shape is designed to fit into yeah. its... Uh, and is it Legopolis as well when the Doctor's trying to fix the chameleon circuit with the, uh, uh, the the block transfer computation? One of the things that he puts on the screen is a pyramid, isn't it? Yes, with yes the, it is the, in uh, lovely BBC model yeah. graphics. <laughs> <laughs> with the door at the front as well, which is in the exact same place. Mm. I'm just thinking about this now. Yeah, the um, when the stones move aside... To allow the access into the pyramid, it is right where the door was on uh, when Tom Baker does the, the illustration when he says, "You know, we need the door. We need to be able to get in and out." This uh, is true. It hasn't hadn't occurred to me mm. at all. I mean, uh, for a series with a history as long as Doctor Who, of course, um, there's a lot of things that remind you of other elements from a series as long and as rich. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yes, you're completely right. It's just a the, pyramid has been a proposed disguise for yeah. the TARDIS before. Just those, yeah, those, those kind of things that actually mirror what the Doctor does himself. And the other mm. thing being the um, when the monks show the um, the delegates what the future will look like in a year's time, a little bit like the Pyramids of Mars, 
when the doctor shows very much so Sarah yes. Jane that as well. Sarah doesn't believe that if she goes back to 1980 from 1911 that uh, it's going to be any different and of course it is yeah um, and I guess it's the other pyramid story as well isn't it it's the <laughs> mm. um, is that one um, but yeah there's just a few things that the monk did that I thought they're a little bit like what the doctor does other than the, the sort of having to be invited to to save them. So uh, now Bill is describing the pyramid as something described as a something disguised as a pyramid that just came out of thin air. Yeah. I had, I picked up on the thin air bit, but not the disguised as a pyramid, yeah. That is an interesting way to put it, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it would be be interesting if they were had something to do. With the Time Lords. Because the other speculation oh, is they? there's something to do with yes. the old-style Cybermen because of the way that they open their mouths um, and, and speak without sort of, you know, moving their jaw and things like that. Yeah, it's interesting that they're doing that. And, um, of course, it's not necessary. I mean, with the Cybermen, bless them, it was uh, probably costume limitations. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing... Uh, 2017 there's no nothing of that nature yeah it would be odd in the same series where we know that those uh mondasi and cybermen are coming back mm. to suddenly have another race like that but they are also um masters of misdirection and, uh, and both the monks and the makers of doctor who masters of, of misdirection aren't they um, very much yes. especially this series i kind of keep keep saying this about how the way the trailer the trailers are really cleverly leading you the wrong way and making assumptions about episodes. Um, it's happened quite a few times. Uh, I do like the way the door opens there, uh, the yeah. two blocks just sliding back like that. It's it's a nice mix, isn't it? Because they've got incredibly advanced technology. Um, but it's a, it's a stone building and they they wear quite sort of basic clothes. And uh... So this bit where, where Nardole says, going by your description... It must mm. be one of the monk creatures. I wondered about because the doctor gets the email, and in the simulation he did see the monks when he regained his sight. But how did that translate to him watching or reading the email? You know, if he watched the video, you know, could he actually? They must see... have had, perhaps they had a conversation in the meantime. Yeah. Um, but in terms of yeah, the doctor receiving the message from the simulated doctor. Was there a, I guess there's maybe just kind of a verbal description of what they look like? Yes. Yeah. Even just said red robes, that probably would have covered it. Yeah. And then this is, Yes, three minutes to midnight. Uh, which I, I looked this up earlier, um, and we're actually closer in real life to midnight um, than this. Where are we now then? We're two and a half minutes to midnight. Oh dear. So it doesn't seem. <laughs> um, I better get the cats in then. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, so it says for the last two years, the minute hand of the doomsday clock has stayed at three minutes before the hour. The closest it had been to midnight since the early 1980s. In the two most recent annual announcements on the clock, the Science and Security Board warned that the probability of global catastrophe is very high and the actions needed to reduce the risks of disaster must be taken very soon. Uh, so it goes on a bit, and then it says it is two and a half minutes to midnight. The clock is ticking. Global danger looms. 
So that's reassuring. <laughs> well, it is, yeah. Was that before or after the results of the last American election? <laughs> I'm not sure how often the year... Uh, did it say every... The two most annual announcements? Oh, yeah, annual announcements, I guess. So uh, it must be just reviewed annually. Uh, so, yeah. The, um, the uh, idea of um, bad or um, limited eyesight is becoming a bit of a theme in this story as well. Not only, of course, the doctor is blind. Um, Erica has broken her glasses. Yeah. And her colleague can't see properly because he's hung over. Yeah. I didn't pick and here's another callback to uh, an earlier series with the monks around the um, screen reminded me of the Cybermen around their scanner in Earthshock. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I know that object. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's true. The um, the the guy playing the uh, the scientist there, Tony Gardner. He's an uh, an actor, I suppose, like like kind of Ralph Little and Matt Lucas. He's mainly known, well, mainly I've seen him in comedy things as well. Um, I thought he looked familiar, but I couldn't place him. The the most recent things I can remember seeing him in are um, there's a, a Jack D sitcom called Lead Balloon. Um, he was in Stella, the Sky One sort of sitcom. Um, and I was, when I looked him up, I remember that he was in an episode of Death in Paradise as well. Okay. With rumoured 13th Dr. Chris Marshall. Mm. Uh, I do I, watch that, I uh, must admit. Yeah, I like it's, it as well, yeah. It's, it's so you know, formulated. They always put it on in wintertime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just looks so good. Yeah. It's it's so formulaic as to be ridiculous, but it is very watchable. Um, I find um, that that kind of led me to a story about how the actor uh, contracted the Zika virus when they were filming um, Death in Paradise. And apparently, a lot of the cast and the crew did um, to the extent that when they came back to the UK, they formed a special study um, on it because uh, they film it. That's in, a terrible in disease. We're not Guadalupe. hearing so much about that these days. I'm pleased to say. Yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, this is two, two minutes to midnight now. Yeah. So this is this is now nearer midnight than we currently are in the real world. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah, it's it's something I wasn't sure whether it was a real, um, whether it was a real thing or not. It kind of vaguely rang a bell until I looked it up today, but it's not something that you hear. Reported on the news when it changes. Oh, I've never been aware of it anyway. No, no, it's, um, it's a very interesting thing. concept, and I think it's maybe something I'll start to seek out. But uh, yeah. I just thought it was a song. Yeah. Three minutes to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's something maybe more for scientists than politicians as well. Um, so it maybe doesn't kind of get reported. If if politicians aren't aren't kind of commenting on it or anything, uh, the, no, it's a global problem, yeah. isn't it? So um, yeah, there's the the Doomsday Chronometer as well is a is a recent big finish story for the Eighth Doctor. It's part of the part of the Doom Coalition stories, um, but a different uh, different thing. 
Oh, when Bill says, oh, God, what's that? You know, that is yeah. such a human reaction to yeah. what she's seeing. It would, uh, that's exactly what I would say. Yeah. And it's not very often that you have, you know, a character in a TV show will says exactly the same yeah. thing as you would have said in the same situation. She's she's very real and natural, isn't she? I know that was one of the big complaints mm. about Clara was how kind of uh, unflappable she became. Um you know, in the face of, of kind of awe-inspiring things. Yes, I mean, I don't want to say anything too negative about Clara because uh, there were a lot of positive things, particularly in her early stories. But yeah, no, I, yes, I like her did, a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah, she. I think she needed a good sort of girlfriend to go out and get drunk with who could tell her what was what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give her some perspective. But. Yeah. This was quite. I thought this was quite a creepy scene with the pilots, mm-hmm. uh, when one of them looks round and uh, his uh, his co-pilot's been replaced by the monks. And I if, do uh, absolutely love the way the plane is brought down there. Yeah, that is so elegant and beautiful. Yeah, and something of a contrast to how they deal with the submarine. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, you don't actually see it land here, but it, it looks a bit more. Uh, it's been driven into the earth, yeah. so to the it was deep enough that it'll stand up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, not quite so good. Yeah, and there's only three submariners who appear from the the pyramid as well, isn't there? Which you'd uh, you'd imagine it would be more heavily manned than uh, yes than just the three of them. <laughs> I think they usually are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I think this because you know, the first time I watched it, I kind of thought that the um, the military leaders were were quite quick to you know decide to um, to go back to the monks. But this is quite a quite a big display, isn't it, of the military superiority that they've got? Um, yes. So it, it makes more sense of it, I think. And uh, they did need to see that, which was why the doctor suggested the attacks. Yeah. Whereas. As Nardo pointed out, you know, that's not how we do things, is it, Doctor? You know. Yeah. I did wonder um what the uh what this was gonna lead to in the lab. You know, what, what disaster it was when, when you started seeing the uh, the plants and the, mm. the chemicals feeding them, it reminded me of the vervoids, uh <laughs> <laughs> And if they were, now that would have that know. would have been an unexpected twist yeah. in the plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been the returning uh, classic series monster that nobody expected, wouldn't it? Very much so. <laughs> yes, I think I, mean, I don't think we've had it, but uh, another note I made was about the. Um, I think it's probably coming up where the monks say that they chose their appearance. Um, for the humans, so that kind of leaves it wide open, doesn't it, as to what what their true nature is or who they are. Um, it, it could be uh, it could be a film we've seen before or somebody completely new. Um, and and again, might maybe like another small theme running through the series because we learned a couple of weeks ago that Nardole doesn't have his original face, uh, mm. and we know it's a series that's leading up to a regeneration. Um, so maybe something about kind of appearances and 
Yes, there's that. And um, I mean, sometimes beings from another dimension have to adopt an appearance, which is uh, other people that the race of the world to be conquered will understand and be able to relate to. Yeah. That's, um, I can't remember what it was called. There was an adaptation of a, of a book. Uh, and it opens where, where these sort of aliens arrive with all the planes, a bit like we um, we saw with the uh, with the American bomber there being lowered to the earth, and all all the planes are sort of taken out of the sky and then lowered down. Um, what was that called? I can't remember. I've got a feeling it was a book by you know somebody kind of big like Asimov or somebody. I have to see Clark, um, and they did a three part adaptation of it on the Sci Fi Channel. But the aliens okay. in that looked like the, the devil, like the traditional sort of idea of the devil, so they didn't reveal themselves at first. Um, they used uh, sort of human ambassadors to, to spread the word. Oh, I think I remember, yeah. I, I remember, I think I watched the start of that one, yes. I can't for life remember what it was called. <laughs> yeah. I do like the... Um, outside of the uh, simulator yeah beautiful blue I mean it's like an electric fountain isn't it it's gorgeous yeah, yeah it's quite um quite a basic um, set and everything isn't it inside the pyramid there's, that is the only sort of piece of technology or anything that you see the whole rest of the room is, is stone yeah, and then this is the, the little glimpse of the of the future. So yeah, really uh, really reminded me of Pyramid to Mars this but reminded me of a Friday yeah. night out in Reading, but that's yeah. another story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dead as the moon. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is the um <laughs> The moon isn't dead, is it? It's the <laughs> which you know from mm. the previous Peter Harness story is that it's an egg. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's literally not dead. This power yeah. must consent is an interesting idea. Yeah, I wonder if if that's going to be explained because it is an odd system for them to have. It is. Yes, it's like you have to vote for this, like giving Theresa May a mandate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We must Uh, be wanted. We must be loved. We are strong and stable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's, it's whether it is... Because they're called the monks, but there's no, there's no, um, they don't call themselves the monks, do they? Or no, no, I don't believe they do. Where you know whether that is a belief that they have that it, it just has to come from love, or whether there is going to be some practical reason for it beyond just what they're saying is that, um, you know, if if you rule through love, it's more efficient than than through fear or anything. But... Because uh, maybe they can't really deal with any. Strong opposition. Yeah. Can't deal with rebellion or people rising up against them. But they're so powerful, aren't they? Yeah. 
And the poor Secretary General crumbles to dust. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, uh, not as gruesome as, as when we see the, uh, the scientist uh, turn to mush later, but similar sort of effect, isn't it? the idea of a, of a contract as well isn't it the um given the consent it's the sort of thing we saw in face the raven um where it's uh, it almost had a kind of a mystical you know once the contract was made and the tattoo was um was formed mm. it couldn't be broken it's that kind of you know kind of uh yeah sort of semi-mystical thing and then this is where he uh was it Douglas, isn't it, the character, I think? Doom is himself taking his, uh, his mask off. Yes. Because there's an, another bit coming up, isn't there, where he, he sort of goes through the airlock and leaves both doors open. I thought that was going to be more pertinent. Oh, I suppose that's what gets it into the main lab where the TARDIS lands, isn't it, and uh, gets Nardole infected in a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. think of it. But of course, he has to have a sample, but um, yeah, but so most that we can see what they're dealing with. It's it's very clearly labelled out airlock, but most systems like that wouldn't let you open one door, would they? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> you you have to wait until the first door is closed before someone can be opened. Uh, even I, I worked in a bank up until this year, and um, even if you you wanted to go behind the counter, you go through two doors uh, and put a code in each one. Uh, and you can't open the second door <laughs> uh, until the first yeah. door. Uh, so you think, yeah, we, yeah. Ha we have security doors like that too. Yeah. It seems like an odd oversight. Uh, and this is a nice scene where the um, the heads of the different armies agree that they uh, they won't fight no matter what. Yes, it's one of the... Uh, things about this series showing the uh, strength of human nature to work in a good way and to make the right decisions. Yeah. Quite different from Peter Capaldi's first series as well. In in series eight, he was very, very anti-military and uh, mm. you feel like that, that earlier version of this Doctor wouldn't have given them time Planet of day, of the pudding brains. Yeah. There aren't any pudding brains in this week's episode. No. He, uh, you know, he, he dismisses Danny Pink almost immediately for, for being a former soldier, doesn't he? You'd think uh, if he was still that kind of prickly, spiky, early 12th Doctor, he'd, uh, he'd have a very different reaction to, to these characters. Well, of course, he's feeling a little bit vulnerable, I think, as well, because he can't see, and he is more reliant on people than he would usually want to be. Yeah. And he has adopted the role of President of Earth, which he was very reluctant to do before. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's more, uh, more willing this time, isn't he? Interesting how that works as well with him being on Earth for 50 years. He was, he was around the last time, but as, as, a, as a later iteration, wasn't he? Um, mm. he'd, he'd have seen those events. Uh, how do UNIT or the UN know which one to, uh, <laughs> which version of him to, to find? And this scene um, was, was the one that was edited, um, where they're talking about the potential threats to humanity. 
um, the there's a reference to terrorism that was removed here. Um, you know, out of respect for the the victims of the Manchester bombing. Um, so that's why they leap so quickly to uh, a bacteria a bacteriological threat. Yes, I think maybe it does. Um, it does seem like a bit of a rapid conclusion. But then, even if they had mentioned terrorism, then um, st still yeah. settling on that it could be something happening in the uh, chemical warfare or bacteria or an accident. It's, yeah. Because uh, the other, um, I think Stephen Hawkins and, and different people talked about this recently, that uh, AI is potentially one of the biggest threats to humanity, isn't it? Um, you know, should we ever create AI, we'll get a sort of a Terminator situation where it decides to uh, <laughs> decides to take over. Uh, that's a long way down my list of things to worry about yeah <laughs> <laughs> right now <laughs> but uh yeah but i mean in terms yes, of uh, things uh, that could um that could could be threatened but i suppose the doctor can easily check for sort of asteroids and things like that can't he and uh um in terms of ai he knows he's already taken care of wotan and uh, <laughs> might not be anything yes, else in, the, yeah. in the offing Yeah. I like air, uh, water, food, yeah. beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nardole, I am really enjoying the character of Nardole. Me too. He's very, uh, he's very capable in scenes like this. He can fly the TARDIS. He, he's, uh, he's a good sounding board for the Doctor. But they have great kind of repartee as well, don't they? Mm. I really like. Yes, and he's got, he's quite enigmatic in a way, you know. Sort of childlike, but at the same time, he's got stuff going on all the time. And uh, yeah, I like the stuff the other week about being sent to Birmingham for a packet of crisps and uh, <laughs> all that type of stuff. Yeah. So then, yeah, this is where the military leaders decide that maybe they should uh, try and avert disaster by going to the monks. Um, but just as a just as a short-term solution. Mm. Yeah, it's quite odd not seeing the Doctor's eyes for so much of the, the story as well, isn't it? I think this must be the episode yes. where he wears the shades the most. And the eyebrows, of course. Yeah, yeah you still got a lot of expression mm. out of him. That's, uh, this is what I did think a little bit last week, more so probably last week, is Bill's quite sharp. It's um, it's strange she doesn't really pick up on, his, um, on the blindness, but particularly... In extremis, um, you, you, when Nardole is, is sort of narrating events for him a bit. But she, yes, uh, that that is something that seemed odd. Seems out of character. Time. She's she's normally quite yeah, quite quick with things. Well, it could be that you know it crosses her mind, but she dismisses it as such a terrible idea. That she doesn't want to. Yeah. Think that it could even be possible. Yeah. That. Uh, he could be hiding something like that. Because the guilt for her as well, isn't it, of um, of him removing the space helmet to protect her from the vacuum of space. Yes. Yes. I mean, uh, how could you live with that if you knew that uh, someone had made that kind of a sacrifice for you? Yeah. 
uh, and someone who could potentially save the world as well. That's the uh, I suppose it yes. piles on the uh, the pressure bit, doesn't it? The um, the bit of it a little bit earlier, um, I'd, I'd made note I'd missed there. You get a little bit of the Eleventh Doctor theme when he's um, declassifying all the documents and getting the getting the people there to to start googling. Um, yes, it's uh, yeah theme not heard for a while, um, but but one that I really really like. So it was it was good to hear it back. And this is a really cool. Now, this is idea. clever. Yeah. Mm, very clever sequence. Yeah. Has the Doctor done something similar to that before? I'm sure that's a gambit or an idea that I've come across before. But uh, I maybe not in Doctor Who, maybe yeah. in something else. Yeah, no, I couldn't think of anything, but I thought, yeah, it's um, yeah, really clever way of of narrowing down all the different options. Hmm. Yeah. And the um, shots where they're following the Doctor and Nardole as they walk around the console as well. Yeah. Very good. I don't think I've seen a shot like that before. No. It's such a, a big set, isn't it? And it's 360 degrees. I think they do really make the most of it. You get the really wide shots where it just looks stunning all the time, I think. You get the wide shots and the uh, yeah. the ones like that following around. It's terrific. Yeah, and then the the TARDIS turned up at your work. It'd be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then this little uh, another little hint about Nardal having mm. human lungs. So he obviously wasn't originally human, but yeah, it's uh, he's past his soul, kind of just mysterious, isn't it? And then you get all these little things about him, uh, these little throwaway lines about what he used to do. Yes. Yeah, there's more to him than meets the eye. Yeah, yeah hopefully he'll be okay after this. I like the on the subtitles the uh they use the word warp as well to describe mm, the uh yes. the materialization. That's uh, not a wheezing groaning sound. No. <laughs> But yeah, it's um, get the idea that maybe the person doing the subtitles is a fan because that's that's not kind of uh, that was from the comic strip know. and all kinds of other things, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, but it's not something you'd know unless you're a bit of a fan. I feel, yeah. mm. uh, unless it's something that the production team have, uh, have have requested, I guess. Well, I guess uh, yes, it's got to have a glossary, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, nicely, um, quite subtle as well. The doctor can just survive the the bacteria in the air, um, just just by you know being a time lord. It's not. Uh, I like those type of things where it's not really made a big deal of. Um, mm. Like in you know sort of seeds of doom, where they're in, is it know, the Arctic or the Antarctic? Um, but the doctor doesn't wear anything other than his normal clothes. <laughs> <laughs> And doesn't show any sign of discomfort. It's just those nice little things that show that he's alien, um, without it being uh, without it being really really hammered home. Mm. 
quite nice. Yes, and Erica's looking a little yeah. bit sceptical, but... Uh... Yeah, she's very good, isn't she? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's that thing of having the Doctor with a, a, a kind of a capable scientific companion again, like Liz Grant or something. She's uh, She knows everything, but she just hasn't put the plan together uh, like the Doctor has. Mm. Uh, yes, a little bit... Mm. Um... A little bit Osgood as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. We, I mean, we obviously could still see Unit in this, but um, I haven't seen anything that suggests that we're going to see Unit. No, um, no, I haven't either, but I do avoid spoilers quite a lot. Yeah. So. Um, I only sort of read Doctor Who magazine, which give you just, just enough to whet your appetite um, without really spoiling anything. Pretty much just stick to the trailers, really. I yeah. Take it from week to week because uh, I'll find out eventually. Yeah. It's not as if I need to decide whether I'm going to watch or not. That's no. a given. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, they do, probably Doctor Who fans are people that pour over the trailers the most. Um, and uh, the people are going to watch it anyway, regardless. So, so that's the uh, the military leaders all, all turned to dust. Yes, and, and Bill uh, looks suitably horrified. Yeah, no other decisions have. Oh, she has mm. such a wonderful expressive face. Yeah. And the lighting in that scene as well. With the yeah. blue from the... Um, yeah, it's all coming from those blue tendrils, isn't it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't see this coming as well, that... Um, that Bill is going to put, be put in this situation where she would make this choice. So he's really well put together. I kind of assumed that the Doctor's plan would work here. Um, I think partly because you know you get towards the end of the episode. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's nice to put. It's, it's a good idea to put her in that position where she sees it as the only choice. Um, and and because of a love of the doctor, it, the consent is accepted. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah, I'd like to see some 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 explanation of why why they're making it so hard for themselves to invade. Because <laughs> everyone that tries to consent has just been uh, kind of atomized up to this point. Uh, yes. Hopefully, we'll find out more. In uh, next week's episode. Yeah, see, it's seen a little bit of uh, kind of criticism of the um, the doctor being able to set the bomb, set the timer on the LCD display, but not be able to uh, see the numbers on the combination lock in a moment. Yes. Um Weak point in the sonic sunglasses that. Uh, yeah. Because they, they're both. It's just, for some reason, it's a little bit too analog. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's it. The the time is electronic, so it might just be able to read. Uh, maybe it made it clear if we'd seen it. But because it's electronic, uh, the sonic sunglasses can maybe just kind of uh, tell him where the controls are on that. But yeah, like you say, the um, the rotating combination is a bit analog. 
Um, and it seems yes. to sort of see things that are, um, you know, 3D, whereas they're just flat, kind of uh, flat on, so there's no... Um, mm. There's nothing for it to make out. No indentations or anything. Yeah, so uh, you just can't read it on the uh, on the tumblers. Yeah. And the Sonic can't fix it. Yeah, if they were sort of carved in or anything, it seems like you'd be able to. Mm. And then the Sonic screwdriver. It does seem like a big chunky system, doesn't it? For <laughs> kind of big chunky numbers. Uh, yeah, I've never seen a system like that. No. But, uh, I'm not a scientist and I don't work in the lab, so I don't know yeah. what they would actually have. Yeah, it's usually buttons that you would punch, you would think. But... Yeah, or you would yeah. have a um, combination of buttons and card. Yeah. Not a criticism, yeah. just an observation. Yeah. And poor not all. It's a horrible sight, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that was the, the main sort of thing that I saw people saying, well, if it hadn't been just after the, the scene where he set the the LCD clock. Um, but I guess that, that is explained by about being electronic and the sunglasses being able to uh, to interact with it. And then the, the confession mm. that he's blind. Um I think it comes at just the right point, really, is when she's already kind of wrestling with the decision. This is, uh, uh, and again, probably part of the, the, the guilt comes in. Of course, yes. That uh, although the, doc the doctor saying, oh, "I've made my choice, I've made a mistake," but it, it was for her, wasn't it? At the uh, uh, on Chasm Forge. Yeah, quite a tense, kind of uneasy from here as well, watch. Yeah. So he was going to sacrifice himself, but no. uh, she's not going to let him. No. Sort of grey area, I suppose, as well. If he's blown up, would he regenerate? Is it, uh, <laughs> would there be enough of him <laughs> left? Yeah. I think... Um, and she asks if his, if his sight can be restored. And the monk just says, yes. I think I would have said, immediately. Is that <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's just assuming that it means it can be restored straight away, which uh, just shows how powerful they are because there's uh, the the doctors in Yorkshire and they're in uh, Temezistan. Mm. Quite, a, quite a sort of powerful ability to manipulate reality. So are they still in a simulation, I guess? I don't think they would pull that twist again, but... It's, uh, yeah, quite an odd thing for them to be able to do. Yes, and so now he can yeah. finally get out. <laughs> Just in time. Yeah. 
That was quite a long two minutes, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there goes the love. So the uh, that threat to the earth been averted, but what will the monks do now? So that was it. Yeah. And then another. What will the world look like under their uh, rule? And um, yes, the trailer looks very interesting. It does, doesn't it? It looks a bit like. Um, the uh, the David Tennant story where the world's been taken over by the Master, doesn't it? The last of the Time Lords. Mm. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, but the the trailer's been so misleading <laughs> up to this point. <laughs> um, it will be very interesting to see what. Uh, and Missy is making her return. Yeah. So this will be the first time that somebody other than Stephen Moffat has, has written Missy as well, isn't it? Which will be interesting. Um, he tends to, you know, nobody else ever wrote River Song apart from him, uh, other than Big Finish now, but on the screen. Um, and uh, sort of the, the Paternoster gang, Mark Gatiss got a go with them, didn't he? But other than that, again, it was only um, it was only Stephen Moffat that uh, did anything with them. So it'll be interesting to see what Toby Whithouse I'll tell me what house writes Missy. Mm, yes, although I think her character is very well established. Um, yeah, and I think she brings so much um, of the performance as well uh, that you get from the actress, Michelle Gomez. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, good. Other interesting thing there in the next time trailer, the Doctor's wearing the, the coat from Missy's execution. Uh, and in the sort of the, the series trailer that we got, looks like that's the one where he seems to start regenerating. So whether we'll see that in this episode, and that's been another um, another red herring. Interesting mm. to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yes. Well, we know Missy is bananas, so yeah. <laughs> um, her character d- does have changes, doesn't it? Various accents, various... Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's so Ways good. Ways of doing things. Really, really like her as uh, uh, playing that part. Uh, but yeah, quite, quite disappointed that she said she'll um, she'll probably quit along with Stephen Moffat and Peter Capaldi. Would have been interesting to see her with another Doctor and uh, in another kind of iteration of the show. But uh, maybe they can they persuade her back in uh, in a few years in the same way they have done with John Sim, I guess. Maybe. Um, um, it would be nice to see more of Missy. I think she's very interesting. Um, and, uh, I mean, the idea of the Master or Missy is is a, well, it's been part of Doctor Who for a very long time now. And uh, Absolutely, yeah. I'm watching the um, John Pertwee's at the moment and uh, uh, very much enjoying the little sting in the incidental music as Roger yeah. Delgado turns up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's so good, isn't he? So brilliant. Yeah. Mm, he really is. Which, which uh, where, where are you up to at the moment in your, in your poetry? You at read? the moment, I've just got to the start of Day of the Daleks. So, ah, great. Very good. I've been speeding through them a little bit because I've had a few long weekends and bank holidays and things. But, uh, yeah. Yes, it's always a delight to go back to that era as well. 
Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, me and my friend Kerry was on a on a podcast a few weeks ago. Did um, we started at uh, well the war games? I think watched all the Pertwees, and now we're we're in the the key to time. But it's taken a long time because it's only when we both got a day off together, uh, and then we we watch other stuff as well. We've been doing the, the sort of the Marvel Netflix series in between. Um, so yeah, we've we've been taking us about five or six years so far. Uh, yes, but, yeah. there's so much good stuff. Mm. on television at the moment and um yes we're we're a bit spoiled in that regard with um everything on hbo and netflix and having doctor who and of course terrestrial tv comes up with the occasional decent show as well yeah yeah that's that um quite enjoyed um taboo the tom hardy series at uh uh, well, I've only just finished it. It was on a while ago, but uh, I had them all on the planner and just just finished that. That was a that, that was a very good series. Mm. So yes, just started American Gods as well. Ah, uh, right, yeah, that's on Amazon, isn't it? I don't have that, but mm. I think it's going to be worth. There's probably a thirty day trial I can get maybe when the full series is on there, uh, and then and then try and get through those. Yeah, I really like the book. Um, Yes, like to, yeah, to huge that. Neil Gaiman fan. So uh... yeah, yeah, I'll definitely need to get hold of that at some point. Uh, so um, a few weeks ago, I spoke to my friend Richard Packer, who had uh, never really seen Doctor Who before and was watching this series. To, you know, kind of get a perspective uh, from a new viewer. Uh, so I've spoken to him again this weekend. Uh, so I will. Uh, We'll, we'll go over to that now, uh, and I'll speak to you again in a moment. Back up! Back up! Back up! Back up! Back up! Very sad. You blundered again, but fortunately it was very Welcome back to the Trap One podcast, Richard. Thank uh, you. So um, we spoke to you a few weeks ago, and you'd watched the pilot. Um, as somebody who'd never really watched Doctor Who before, other than watching the TV movie back in 1996 um, and you enjoyed it enough that you agreed to watch some more of the series 10 that's on at the moment? That's right, yeah. I've kept watching. I've got as, I've got as far as Extremis so far. So, uh, yeah, I've, uh, it's, it's been going well. Excellent. Uh, so you enjoying it overall? Yeah, I am. I'm enjoying it. I think um, I, I think I'm enjoying. I've enjoyed some episodes noticeably more than others. Um, I, I think there's a fair amount of variation between uh, the episodes, um, and that's not to say that it's necessarily been bad episodes. I, I think probably uh, some episodes appeal to some people, and some episodes appeal to others. Um, but uh, but but I think I think uh, are, the episodes are written by different people. I think, aren't they? Yeah, this is it. Yeah, you've got um, Steve Moffat is the showrunner. Um, so he writes more episodes than anybody else in a series. So he's written the pilot and Extremis um, so far, uh, and then yeah, different yeah. writers have written, have written the other ones. Um, but yeah, I mean that is that is part of being a Doctor Who fan, really, is that you will enjoy uh, some stories a lot more than others. Um, but yeah, if you if you did become a Doctor Who fan, you'd have to um, you know kind of uh, dispel that idea that it is just you know your personal tastes, and it is just no. If there's a baby sword you don't like, it's awful. It's the worst one ever. The writer should be sacked and never ever play <laughs> <laughs> it again. Um, the, the, uh, yes, yeah, that, that's, that's far too forgiving. Really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell Frankly, you're not. Disgrace, you can tell you're not. Tell you're not a proper Doctor Who fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I 
mean, I suppose the other thing I sort of wondered about is, to, to some degree, it's probably it probably makes a difference um, how much sort of background you know. So I think some of the episodes, um, an, an extremist may have been. I mean, let's 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 start at the end because yeah. that seems place to begin. Um, extremist may be an example of that. That I must admit, um, I, I I didn't fully understand extremist. I think it was a problem. I didn't particularly enjoy it, but I think that was largely because I didn't fully understand it, and I don't know to what degree. That was just me being thick. Probably was, um, or, or to what degree it was actually, you know, that, that some elements of it required, or, or it helped to have a certain amount, a certain amount of background uh, knowledge. So I have a feeling that Missy may a character who who had, has been in it before, somewhere on the line, but but I don't know. Yeah, that's it's probably the first episode that does have those elements that, that carry over. Um, Missy is a is a character who is the Doctor's sort of arch enemy uh, going back to the 70s. Um, but like the Doctor is a Time Lord and has had different um, incarnations. So the current incarnation is is Missy, which is short for Mistress, because she is the female version of the Master, um, has, as the character has been known um, since, about, I think, 1971 was the first story with that character in it. Um, so yeah, it just his character keep pops popping up throughout the series uh in in different bodies and things like that so yeah that's probably the first the first element that's come up like that and yeah i guess um looking at it from that point of view there maybe wasn't an explanation of the history that the two characters have had together um I suppose no, and I, th- um, I think it's a difficult, uh, probably be, uh, again being far too considerate here, but, but it's it is a difficult balance for, for the makers of the program, for the writers to, to 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 not repeatedly explain things that a large proportion of the viewers know full well. I mean, that would be really irritating if, if you if you knew Doctor Who well to keep having things explained in a sort of storybook fashion uh, that you knew already. But but equally to try to make it something that can be watched by somebody who doesn't uh, doesn't have all that background knowledge. Yeah, that's it. Uh... Um, but putting aside the um, the sort of the missy parts of Extremis, um, the kind of the episode generally, the idea of um, the you know it being a computer simulation where it is a, a sort of a facsimile of the Doctor and his friends running through a simulation by the aliens. What, what do you kind of think of those that side of it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, yes. So I got that element. I, I suppose I, I remember. I remember when you and I used to uh, be in the same uh, English class at school, uh, and one of our teachers telling us um, that uh, we're coming up to an exam in which you had to write a story, uh, and uh, telling us that the one thing you mustn't do is finish it off by saying, um, "And then he woke up and it had all been a dream." Uh, and that this is <laughs> particular irritation. Uh, and it felt to me, it felt a bit like that. I'm not mad keen on that concept of of you watch an episode and then most of the episode turns out not to be real. Um, I sort of get kind of real in a different way, but but it, it, yeah, it, it didn't really do it for me. Okay. Um, so what what were your particular highlights of this series so far? Um, we've had smile, thin ice, knock knock, and oxygen. Any, yeah, so smile, out. smile was the emoji box, wasn't it? Yeah, um, that's and, it. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that was my, uh, I think that was my favourite episode so far. I really enjoyed that. Um, I liked the sort of uh, that that's that sort of uh, play, playing on that kind of deep down fear of uh, sort of machines taking over the earth or, or becoming more power. Our own our own creations becoming more 
powerful than us. Um, and I liked the way that it was in a sort of a, a, an accidental way. So it was, it was that they were trying to do uh, what they believed we wanted them to do. Um, but but just getting it wrong and getting it wrong in a fairly a kind of a fairly fine finely balanced way. It was only just wrong, um, mm. but but that that only just wrong was was absolutely fundamental and, and meant that they kept killing us. Yeah, that was written by uh, Frank Cottrell Boyce. I don't know if you've heard of him okay. before, he's a sort of screenwriter and a novelist. Um, he wrote the. 2012 Olympic opening ceremony uh, from the London Olympics, uh, uh, things like that. So he's sort of quite a well-known name. If you, if I actually saw that live. Before. I went and saw it. The Did you? Uh, 2012 Olympic ceremony. Yeah, I didn't know that. I would never have made that connection. Yeah, uh, no, I didn't realise you were there. So that was good. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and and what what the Olympic ceremony or the episode? <laughs> the Olympic ceremony. I know it was a huge thing with lots of different parts of it, and I'm asking you just to sum it up in was it good or not? But... <laughs> I would say yes, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was it was really well done. It was uh, it was very very impressive. Um, I can't think there was a great deal. I suppose there was a sort of a storytelling element to it, actually, when I when I think about it. So, so I can, in that sense, I can sort of see the uh, sort of see the connection. Um, but uh, but largely, yeah, it was just uh, just an amazing spectacle. Yeah, you see, it started off with sort of a kind of quite a pastoral scene, didn't it? And then the industrial revolution came along and all that kind of stuff. It was a bit of a, a kind of a whistle top to British history. It was, yeah. I um, my primary memory of it is um, a very large tree, uh, which I'd never seen a very large tree in a stadium before. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, so, but yeah. No, I, I thought I, I. I think this is um, this. This is it was. It was very clever. The sort of uh, in the episode, uh, the, the smile episode, the sort of the sort of playing on those fears, and I had a bit of a. Uh, uh, a bit of an odd moment because I was uh, playing the episode on uh, iPlayer uh, on my iPad, uh, and I projected it from there onto the onto my smart TV uh, using this thing, which I'm assured is known as casting, uh, which is very clever, I have to say, where you press a button on iPlayer and it and it appears on your smart TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then having done that, my phone uh, suddenly decided that it was going to turn itself into a remote, uh, and and icons appeared on my phone allowing me to play and rewind and fast forward and change the volume and things like that and I just thought I mean my phone isn't even Apple you know the TV's Sony the iPad's Apple and my phone's some Samsung thing Um, and has no doesn't have iPlayer on it doesn't have any kind of software on it as far as I'm aware which makes it do that but it's just intelligent enough to have picked up that signal and say right now I'm going to be a remote because that might be useful for you Um, and it was just a slightly odd kind of moment um, of sort of the machine's getting almost a bit too clever uh, and and on the basis of well here's what i think they might want me to do so i'm just going to do it anyway yeah very creepy not quite on the same scale as killing me obviously but you know yeah. the same sort of <laughs> yeah that's uh, it's um and i think we we um, mentioned this last time that idea of doctor who using the you know kind of everyday things uh you know exaggerating them to their logical or you know a very exaggerated kind of point um, and, and turn it into something threatening. So after Smile, we had Thin Ice. Uh, yeah, to, to Thin to Regency I, um, and... I, and I sort of, um, I, I was, um, 
I was, yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I was quite enthusiastic about it at the beginning because I, I liked the fact that it was set in the past rather than the future. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, you know, obviously most of Doctor Who, they tend to go towards the future uh, for obvious reasons. And, and this one set in the past, I thought that was an interesting uh, twist. Um, uh, but, but, but the episode itself, I wasn't that mad keen on. I mean, it, it was, yeah, it was... It's a bit good versus evil. Um, it was it was saving the innocent little children from the uh, from the evil rich man. Uh, and I, I yeah, I, you don't care about children. I, it, it was a bit simplistic. No, I think that's it. Really, I think that is fundamental. <laughs> no sympathy for children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just I just felt they should just go through yeah. the ice. I mean, I mean, they were nicking stuff. Really, they they. Uh, <laughs> they, they <laughs> to be fair, they weren't innocent children, were they? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, exactly. No, <laughs> they might have had the the edge over the rich industrialists, I suppose. On, on balance, it was probably the right way to go to go with the children, but uh, but nonetheless, yeah. no, I just yeah, I just thought yeah, there's the goodie and the baddie, and uh, and and jolly good, the uh, the goodies won. So yeah, fair yeah. enough. But but didn't really excite me. Okay, I think I I did slightly prefer Thin Ice. It was uh, quite like the sort of slavery allegory and things like that. It was, uh... Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that was, that was quite clever, uh, and the, the use of the use of Bill and the reaction to the Bill and that was uh, that that was that was quite good. That was a good feature. Uh, then after that, we have Knock Knock. Yes, uh, so I'm I'm a big fan of David Suchet, so so yeah. really enjoyed his performance. I mean, to a certain extent, he plays the same person every time, but it's, <laughs> it was still it was still very uh, it was still very good. Um, I, I, I think the uh, the, the people being eaten by the bugs was the most sort of skin crawling moment of uh, of the series so far for me. That was actually quite uh, quite yeah. difficult to watch um, and and uh, quite quite sort of agonising thought. Um, I, I, I I well I, I mean I, I listened to um, uh, your podcast um, following this uh, and sort of mentioned the everybody lives at the end kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and and I agree with that. It was a bit, yeah, okay. None, none of these uh, sorts of innocent young people are allowed to die, so we've got to bring them all back at the end. Um, well, only the yeah, most, wasn't that that sort of aspect of it? Only the most recent crop, though, the ones who were eaten uh, in, you know, nineteen ninety seven and nineteen seventy seven and and so on. They're all dead. If that yes. helps well, that's, that's satisfy the bloodlust yeah. that you seem to be seeking from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The slaughter of young people. Yeah. <laughs> Being one of your yeah, criteria for enjoyment. Yeah, there is a deep development here, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> now you come to mention it, yeah. <laughs> um, so you did yeah, um, remind... So, so yeah, in- interesting concept. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Not not my favourite of the episode, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was a clever concept. Remind... I, I, there, there was a bit of it, I think, I didn't quite get how the bugs were then able to sort of recreate the people i didn't quite follow the the concept there it felt like it needed a little bit more explanation yeah it's a bit sort of counterintuitive that having been eaten by a lot of separate bugs that they uh yeah that a person can be reconstituted into into a hole again isn't it yeah yeah does it have to be the same bugs do you think or can it can it just be any of the bugs do you have to get (laughs) the same gang together yeah, because if one of the books had wandered off to do something else, do you have like a finger missing or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could, it could just be a logistical nightmare, couldn't it? Yeah, that's uh... Did it remind you of your uni days or anything like that? Um, 
I I don't remember my accommodation being quite like that. But no. I, I I do. I suppose. Yeah, I, I suppose you sort of um, you, you get the point of uh, discovering some half decent accommodation at an amount you can uh, uh, can 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 afford would be quite attractive. Uh, even mm. if the landlord did come across a bit weird, he might just sort of <laughs> put up with that. Um, whether you get put up, whether you then put up with uh, sort of being eaten by a million bugs, I'm not yeah. sure. That that would be sort of take you to extremes. I think. <laughs> uh, and then after that is oxygen. So this is where the the spacesuit. So it's again, it's a it's a technology, uh, you know, kind of uh, malfunctioning or well, no, deliberate malfunction in this case. And and what should be there to protect you, turning against the users. What do you think of this one? Yeah, that's right. So um, I really enjoyed this one. I think it was. It, it's interesting you mentioned because it, it had I had it in my mind at the beginning as being a similar sort of concept to Smile. Uh, but then, of course, it isn't quite because it's it's not accidental in the same way. There is somebody, there is an intelligent being, the indication given, that is actually um, controlling this and, and taking decisions uh, as opposed to it just being the automated responses of, of, of a machine of some kind. So it was a different sort of twist on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was relieved that they weren't zombies in the end. You know, I saw the yeah. trailer and, and you know, they, they, they look like zombies. Um, I'm not a big fan of zombies. I don't really get zombies they just sort of you know I, I i sort of see the concept but they're a bit aimless they just sort of march around making a nuisance of themselves but you don't really get the sense that they're going to get anywhere with it so I, I, i've <laughs> never really gone for zombies um so so yeah good that they were a bit more interesting than uh, than, than just being zombies uh and and a clever concept uh, re- really enjoyed it yeah so would that be your sort of second favorite yeah, I think so. I think it. I think it grabs the the coveted second favorite spot so far. I kind of think I see what you're saying about zombies there, but I think is is zombies not the sort of the fear of just kind of mindlessness and uh, and a breakdown of civilization. You know, it's not that they've got a particular evil plan, but it's that sort of you know just kind of fear of a of a kind of a mindless mob and. You know, just kind of yeah, I suppose so. But the the problem is, is that they have. For me, the problem is that they have some sort of. There's clearly something sort of whether it be medically wrong with. I don't know what is it with zombies. What is going on with zombies? I've, I've basically got no idea. But they don't they don't <laughs> connect enough to reality or something that feels possible yeah. uh, for me to to really have a fear of them. I think they're just a bit weird. Well, it depends. I mean, there's different diff- zombies in different stories. Uh, I mean, in most things i think you don't really get an explanation things like the walking dead it's some kind of virus that uh, that everybody carries and then is activated once they die um so it's uh yeah i mean it's just kind of a collective name for the for the the reanimated corpse isn't it but uh, but no yeah i thought it was a clever twist on it because the trailer made it look very much like it was going to be zombies um but then yeah they were just sort of corpses being carried around by the suits it was uh it was a good one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, then, yeah. So Extremis has been my favourite so far, to be honest. But your, would you would you put that bottom of the pack for you? I, I probably would. I probably would. I suppose I, I I almost felt as if maybe some of the themes continue a bit in the next episode, and I haven't watched the next episode yet, so I don't know. Um, but but I sort of felt as if I was missing something. Um, so so the I never fully made the link between the execution 
uh, if it wasn't execution, of Missy and the whole thing with Deritas and, and, and all that business. Uh, it, it sort of felt like two different episodes put together, uh, and, and at least one of them never quite came to an end. Yeah, I mean, I think um, they weren't really linked, other than it was the, sort of um, the next chapter in the ongoing series arc of why the Doctor is guarding the vault, uh, and it, it's kind of the revelation of, of who's in the vault. Um, yeah. There was some kind of thematic kind of links, I think, weren't they? But, uh, yeah, I think it was, um, yeah, they, they weren't massively uh, massively to do with each other. No, and it's not to say they have to be, but I think yeah. I was just sitting there trying to make the connection um, and failing to make the connection, and therefore I thought so. potentially I, I missed something. Um, I, um, I did enjoy Nardole as the, uh, as the creep priest uh, arriving and giving his advice I thought that was uh, that was my favourite bit of the episode I think. yeah hey, my favourite bit was where the Pope turns up to um, to Bill's date uh, yes I thought that was um, that was some excellent uh, kind of uh, comedy in the in an otherwise sort of fairly dark episode as well so. yeah yeah I agree yeah I thought that was really good so you enjoy it enough that you're going to keep watching that's kind of the halfway point of the series you're going to going to see it through to the bitter end Yes, absolutely. I'll see it through to the hopefully not too bitter end. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I I think I'm certainly sufficiently uh, sufficiently hooked to want to know what happens with uh, with various things. Um, and and I'm enjoying its entertainment. So uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll certainly keep going. Excellent. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll speak to you again in a few weeks and and see how you're getting on, uh, and do a bit of a catch up then. Excellent. I look forward to it. Thank you very much for joining me. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Okay, um, so that was um, Richard Packer there. Um, we'll speak to him again in a few weeks, see how he's got on with, uh, with some of the second half of the series. Uh, so, any other thoughts on this episode, Denise? Um, can't wait for next week. Bring it on. It's no. uh, all getting very exciting. Yes, I enjoyed that one very much. And um, I've watched it three times now, noticing something else each time. Yeah, very good performances. Yeah. Yes, really, really enjoying this season. Yeah, it seems like, um, I mean, especially the three leads uh, are terrific, but it's, uh, yeah, it's worth kind of, you kind of got used to it a little bit now, this fight into the series, but it's worth saying that they are just terrific every week, aren't they? Just doing new things and, uh, yeah, really bringing it to life. The, the Peter Capaldi, Matt Lucas and uh, Pearl Mackey are absolutely superb together. Really, uh, yes. Really, really makes me wish there was, uh, <laughs> they weren't all leaving, potentially. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, still hoping it's all a dreadful mistake. But, yeah. Uh, there's so scant odd. news, though, isn't there? I mean, the 13th Doctor hasn't been announced, whether whether they've been appointed or not yet. I guess they maybe wouldn't want to detract from publicity for the current series. Um, but, yeah, just, uh, just so little is known. Uh, but good news this week that apparently they, they are, there is going to be at least another five seasons of Doctor Who beyond this one. Uh, so that's been yeah. quite positive. That's another one and a half Doctors then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it will, but it would be nice if it stopped some, some Doctor Who fans worrying themselves about ratings and press reaction and uh, <laughs> all, that type, all that type of stuff. Uh, well, the way everybody watches television and um, what is available and where you can find it, it's all changing so much and it will continue to change. So, um, yeah, what it'll look like ratings, in five years. Will is... they be as important as when people pay for downloads, pay for DVDs? Um, I mean, people play the long game now with movies and have done for a long time. It's not just what they recoup in the box office. Absolutely, yeah. It's everything else as well, yeah. and uh, perhaps with TV shows. I mean, they've seen the money they must have made from Doctor Who DVDs. Yeah, and all the other merchandise and uh, yes, overseas but, sales. Um, and, yeah. You know, eventually it's a worthwhile investment if you want to look at it in purely business terms. Yeah. I mean, who knows what it'll look like in five years by the time we get that series. That's, um, and even in the, it seems like only yesterday Doctor Who came back, but when mm. the Eccleston series was on, I was still recording them on, on blank VHS tapes. It wasn't in HD. Uh, it's uh, You couldn't download an episode. It's No, it's there was no iPlayer then. No. Uh, I suppose so. the other news this week is the BBC Store. Is, mm. uh, is yes, they're closing. So. Yeah, which is, uh, which is sad. I think a lot of myself, probably a lot of people, still hoping that they would uh, animate some more of the missing stories after Power of the Daleks seemed like a big success for them, didn't it? Um, yes. I mean, it was, I absolutely loved that, enjoyed it very much, and I would watch some more 100% animated series very definitely, but um, again, it all comes down to business at the end of the day, doesn't it? Yeah, but uh, I mean, it seems like that was a success, but I guess if the if the whole thing wasn't really... Uh, Profitable for them because the other thing is I don't know if you bought anything from them but um, you can get whatever you bought refunded at the moment. Okay. Um, so anything that you paid for, um, you, it's available until uh, I think November. But if you want to just sort of cash your chips in now and and uh, and not have access to it, you can get your money back or I think it was Amazon vouchers, but like Amazon TV vouchers, something like that, and you get slightly more than your original outlay. Um, it's an interesting way of doing things. No, I I hadn't bought anything yeah. from them. But, uh, I'd only bought the Power of the Daleks, which I've since got on Blu-ray. So, um, yeah, just right, uh, yeah. just cash mine in. No, I, I tend to buy Doctor Who DVDs. I don't know. There's a little bit of me that's sort of old school where uh, I like to... I mean, I don't buy many CDs or anything these days, yeah. but uh, I do like to have hard copies of Doctor Who. I'm the I same. Don't know. I suppose it's all the episode wiping trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that is part of, always traditionally part of being a Doctor Who fan was, was sort of collecting and curating mm. almost a collection, isn't it? No, I, the books, I still um, always get the, the hard copies rather than the Kindle. Uh, I saw the, the discussion that you had on Twitter about uh, how you store everything. Oh yeah, you do with your missing uh, adventures. Yeah, <laughs> all the rest of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was it. It was um, I think because Keith just adopted that system, um, and then uh, yeah, uh, John and Lawrence from the the Highlanders podcast, um, which is excellent. If anybody doesn't listen to it, 
um, as I've got a ton more listeners than uh, than I do. But if if by any chance you listen to this podcast and you don't listen to theirs, you should, you should definitely subscribe to that one. Uh, yes, we are perfect companion pieces to each other. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and they've got a big back catalogue as well, uh, which is uh, definitely pretty worth picking up, um, going back and, and downloading any of those. Oh, yes. Yeah, they are um, very knowledgeable, very funny. And uh, sometimes John sings a little bit, which is always nice. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely am... give that one a listen. Hello, yeah. John and Lawrence. Yes, hello. Uh, shout out. Uh, I, um, I know because they... they, they plug my podcast a couple of times so yeah we should we should uh, <laughs> should reciprocate <laughs> that i haven't had time to listen to their podcast this week unfortunately uh so i'll, uh, I'll make sure to to listen to that this week uh, but yeah like you say very very knowledgeable very funny i always uh listen to podcasts from the start and I always end up kind of not noting down books and movies and uh and tv shows that they recommend uh, well that should last you for so, a couple yeah. of lifetimes yeah <laughs> The same sort of problem when Paul yes. Cornell did his podcast, uh, which sadly he doesn't he doesn't do anymore. But he get writers on of, of comics and books and TV and things like that, uh, and uh, yeah, ended up with a, with a huge list of things I wanted to, to read and watch from that as well. Uh, yes, it's quite scary that there's so much stuff out there. Yeah, I mean, I haven't even I have barely dipped my toe in the big Finnish waters as well. I think. Uh, I'm never going to be short of entertainment, that's for sure. No, absolutely. It's, yeah, you, very difficult to keep up with all the big finish, I think, and, and, and expensive as well. But, uh, yeah, try and get the kind of the big releases that come out, really, like the War Doctor and the, the Doom Coalition box sets. Uh, and the Jago and Lightfall, I'm, I'm quite behind on them, but the ones I've heard are absolutely superb. I'm still uh, sort of pottering around with the Peter Davison ones. I like the ones that him and Sarah Sutton have done together. I think they're yeah. very interesting. And um, it's nice to see more of um, Peter Davison with Nicola Bryant as well as yeah. the Doctor and Perry because they shared two stories on screen. But, uh, Absolutely, yeah. There's a, there's a whole yes. run of those where they even introduce another companion as well, the uh, mm. Man. yeah. Um, yeah so there's so much out there. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good time to be a, to be a Doctor Who fan or uh, or, or that, you know, any kind of kind of science fiction fantasy stuff. There's uh, there's a ton of quality stuff. Thank you very much for joining me. It was a, a pleasure discussing that episode with you. Thank you very much for inviting me back, Mark. No problem. Uh, we'll hopefully speak to you again in a future episode. Uh, but for now, if you tune in next week, I'll be discussing The Lie of the Land by Toby Whithouse with Jason McLaughlin. Uh, hopefully we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye.